Welcome back for another Inside the U podcast. Visit InsideTheU.com, follow us on Twitter at InsideTheU, or you can email the show InsideTheUPodcast at gmail.com. This is Christopher Stock, and I'm joined here with David Lake. David, how's it going? Good, good. Best week of the year, best week of the season, Florida State Week. So excited to get into it here with you. Yeah, no doubt. There's obviously plenty to talk about with this this rivalry and big game, biggest game of the year, no doubt. Do you have any uh, any any early memories or memories of the rivalry games that that stand out to you? Yeah. So the first first game I ever attended uh, in the Orange Bowl was in 2000, uh, Florida State Miami game. Definitely one of the the best games I've seen to this day. Miami play. Um, you know that was when Miami was still on its rise to to being a, a true national power in 2000, 2001, and 2002. Um, Chris Winkie visited the Orange Bowl, and Miami was kind of the underdog, but they certainly had a chance that game to to establish themselves as the the big team in Florida that year. And you know, great game back and forth. Miami ended up pulling it out at the end with a, a Jeremy Shockey uh, touchdown, and then you know, of course, another missed missed field goal opportunity by Florida State. So it was an exciting game. Definitely fun uh, watching it in the Orange Bowl. I was in the first row of the upper deck, so it was a good seat. And uh, yeah, so so that's kind of my favorite Florida State Miami memory. Yeah, mine mine uh, was in 2003. It was my first game going to in, in the in the series. It was my first season covering the team, and it was up in Doak Campbell. And a lot of people probably remember that game because it was the one where it was raining the whole game, and Sean Taylor put on a show. It was kind of a, a sloppy game. Uh, both teams pretty talented, and and Sean just took over. It felt like I mean, it was just catch. He had interceptions and one some called back, and his returns. It, it was just unreal, and it's just a fun fun to be a part of. And I know over the years we've had the opportunity to go uh, essentially every year, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. There's no doubt. Yeah, I remember I went to that game too as a freshman in college, and uh, yeah, I mean it was incredible what Sean did in that game, and. That would that would probably be my number two memory in this game in this series. Just games I've been to. Um, and another trip to Tallahassee this week, so let's get into it. Yeah, what, what are your thoughts, David? I mean, obviously Miami's coming off a loss against Cincinnati. Uh, fans are upset, and with just more pressure, more criticism going Al Golden's way. Um, you know, Florida State coming in four and zero, and uh, you know, they're, they're tr- looks like they're still trying to find themselves. How, how do you see this game? Just initial initial thoughts on, on on this game. Yeah, so you know, Florida State's making the transition in the in the post Jameis era, I guess, so to speak. And you know, one thing I guess that kind of stands out to me is that um, you know, Florida State they look solid, they look fine, but they really haven't been tested yet. This game is kind of their first test of the season, whereas Miami. You know, they've played a, a pretty decent, you know, above-average Nebraska team, and then they've been tested on the road against an above-average Cincinnati team. So Miami might be a little more game-tested, whereas Florida State, you know, enters this game with maybe a little more talent, but but hasn't really seen a team uh, the caliber of Miami yet. Yeah, let's start with, uh, you know, you mentioned it just briefly there, but you want to start about the, the who's in, who's out, just taking a look at each team with injuries. I guess first starting with Miami, you know, Jermaine Grace, that's probably the biggest name that, that they're looking at. Uh, you know, he was at practice on Wednesday, limited, but they let, you know, he was able to move around a little bit, and they're hopeful that he'll be able to play Saturday. And obviously that'd be a big 
a big boost to the defense just because, you know, with the depth they have there and, and Jermaine's clearly one of their best linebackers. And then the wide receiver, Stacy Coley, Braxton Barrios expected back, which helps their rotation. You know, Stacy, everyone's, you know, so, so much ability. You're wondering if he'll be able to step up in a game like this. You know, I think Braxton's more of a filler guy, but, um, you know, there's, there's Stacy would be, that's the one to watch there. And another one too, that I just want to mention that we haven't talked about too much recently, but Marquise Gayot. Uh, some people want to know how he's doing, but he, you know, he's around the building, you know, hearing he's doing well and doing great and things like that. A lot of positivity uh, when you're when you're asking about him. So it sounds like he's doing okay and and doing well, which is great to hear. Yeah, I mean, Jermaine Grace, if he is in fact totally healthy, ready to go this week, that's huge for the defense because they need that kind of hybrid linebacker guy who can cover in their defense and really. Right now, with Gayot out, they don't have another guy like that on the roster. Not to mention that, I mean, Jermaine Grace is one of their better players on defense, as is. So, they certainly need Jermaine for this game. You you touched on it, too, Stacy being back. Um, you know, he's a guy that can be a game-breaker anytime he touches the ball. So, hopefully, they can find some ways to get him the ball like they did, you know, Tyree Brady against Cincinnati. Let's see Stacy Coley get that many targets this week at Florida State. Um, you know, looking at Florida State and their injury situation, they kind of they kind of came out of the Wake Forest game uh, banged up. They, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook, the run, their stud running back, everyone knows. Coach Jimbo Fisher still saying he's day to day at this point. Um, you know, hamstring injury. I fully, Chris, you know, Dalvin from covering him in high school. I fully expect him to play on Saturday, if it's at all possible. I mean, his mentality, he's going to want to play in this game against his hometown school. Yeah, there's no doubt I expect Dalvin to play. I think that more the question would be, you know, how effective will he be? You know, will we see Dalvin yeah. when he was running for over 250 yards earlier this year, or will we see him a little gimpy and not, not be able to be as explosive as he wants to be? I think that's more the question, but yeah, I don't think there's any question. I, I expect him to play, and I, I think you know, talking to the Miami players and, you know, the coaches, it kind of seems like they expect them to play as well. Yeah, and then I guess two other, two starters on defense are going to be out this week for Florida State. Linebacker Terrence Smith and safety Nate Andrews. Um, two veteran guys for their defense, so pretty significant blows, particularly Terrence Smith, who, you know, is their best linebacker and one of the better linebackers in the ACC. And, you know, with, with Terrence being out, it, it certainly makes me think, okay, Miami's Joe Yearby, their running back, they need to get him going this week, um, you know, fate with Terrence out of the game. I think the running game becomes even more prominent for Miami this week. Yeah, I agree. But what, how do you think that they'll be able to expose or, or to, to get yards against Florida State? They were able to run last year where Duke Johnson was able to get yards against their defense. It's a little different defense in terms of personnel this year. Um, you know, Miami wants to go up the middle quite a bit, but do you, do you see him getting outside at all? Or do you, you still think, you know, go Joe up the middle and, and, and whatnot? I still think it's an up the middle type running attack. You know, Miami's mainly been running out of shotgun this year. And really, they're piggybacking off defenses, uh, game planning to stop Brad Kaya, the quarterback. So, Defenses are keyed in and focused on stopping the pass, and so Miami and Joe Yearby at running back are certainly making the most of that, running the ball to the shotgun and getting those yards uh, through the middle. 
David, when we look at their defense, stay with FSU's defense, because to me, I mean, we'll talk about their offense and a little bit later, but I think when you talk about this game, I think it ultimately comes down to the Florida State defense because they are impressive. And yes, they've played close games, but teams are having a hard time doing much against their defense. What, what are you seeing with their defense? Uh, what, what's what's their key? I know they're, they're going to lose a couple guys, but what, what stands out to you when you when you watch the Florida State defense? So they run a, a 4-2-5 as their base defense. Um, and comparing them to last year's Florida State defense, one thing I notice is that they have a much deeper rotation on the defensive line than they had last year. They had great players last year on the defensive line, but they really didn't rotate it as much as they do this year. And I st- I think, I mean, the, the numbers aren't there for this defensive line, which I think is kind of, due to the opponents they've played so far this year. But I think the defensive line is doing a good job uh, getting pressure. They only have eight sacks on the year so far. But really, all the quarterbacks that they've played are very good scramblers, good guy, guys who can extend plays and, and break the pocket. So, I mean, they've been able to, to get pressures and, and collapse the pocket on these quarterbacks, but these quarterbacks are making plays on them. So... I think their defensive line is as good as it's it's been in, in years past, even though it's a new crop of guys. The thing I'm watching for with this defense, going back to you know, who they've played through the first four games this year, the offenses they faced have not really been tested, have, have not really tested their secondary because these offenses that they face really don't throw the ball around very much. And so... Yes, they have a bunch of talent in their back seven, but really they haven't been tested. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, stud corner, he's going to always make plays. But there's other guys back there who I think we, we got to see. In, I mean, Miami needs to do their best to try and test that group. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I, I, kind of just going back to their defensive line, I mean, you're talking about just a very, it seems to be a very fast, aggressive defensive line. And yeah, I, I think that's important. You mentioned with the stats. I think that's important when you evaluate them because, it, I mean, they're making they're making other teams uncomfortable, even yeah. if they're not getting the sacks and things like that. And, and I think this is definitely a game where Miami's offensive line is is they, they they you saw some struggles that you kind of expected throughout the year. You saw some struggles against Cincinnati, and I don't think there's any question they're going to be challenged against Florida State. And I think that's going to be a key just for Miami's whole offensive standpoint. Just I think the offensive line has to be has to be good, has to be solid, because the defensive line could just, it could just get really ugly if the offensive line for Miami is not able to to slow them down. Um, yeah. you, mentioned, you mentioned their defense and not getting tested. You know, I, I look back and, um, you know, so I, I was going back through their film. I, I'd seen them all play, I've seen them all season, and I kind of went back and rewatched some games of theirs. Uh, one thing I noticed, so they've allowed five touchdowns, and of the five touchdowns, none of them have been uh, uh, caught by a, a wide receiver. Um, mm-hmm. they've, they've allowed you know two catches for tight ends uh, have scored a touchdown a running back scored um, on a run and then a, it was two running back if you remember the USF game they had two running back uh, catches for touchdowns and both were on a throwback um, you know so it was just kind of uh, not a trick play but kind of you know just kind of threw them off a little bit so yeah the secondary hasn't been tested um, and, and Miami's definitely going to want to throw the ball um, to their receivers and with Brad Kaya utilize his strengths and um, you know, although they haven't been tested, there's reasons for that. Uh, clearly talented group, David. I mean, you talk yeah, about Jalen Ramsey, but the, the other guys they have, it's, uh, it's a lot of talent back there for sure. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would 
put Jalen Ramsey up there with any cornerback in the country. I mean, I'm sure Miami fans remember the game he had last year against Miami when he just totally took that game over. He had a pick. He forced a fumble. He uh, had like four pass breakups in that game. Uh, he's playing a different role this year. He's kind of just more of a, a boundary corner, whereas last year he was kind of a nickel star kind of guy who who they would send on pressures off the edge. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jalen Ramsey, 6'1", as athletic as anybody in the country, and tremendous ball skills. So he's a guy, I mean, I assume they'll line him up against Rashawn Scott, and, you know, that will essentially take Rashawn Scott out of the game because Jalen Ramsey is that good. Uh, you know, with, with Nate Andrews being out their safety, this elevates uh, true freshman Derwin James, who was the top safety prospect in the country this past year and enrolled early at Florida State in the spring. And really, I mean, Derwin James is expected to be the next star for Florida State. So yes, they're going to have some youth out there, but this youth that they have is extremely talented. And Miami might test it, but you know, test it at your own peril because Derwin James is very, very good. Yeah, there's no question. And one thing, too, that stood out to me, and, and I asked Brad Kaya about their secondary, and he mentioned it, too, but just the, the size they have there in the secondary. And I counted Andrews in this group just looking at their top seven defensive backs, uh, but they're averaging six foot and a half and 202 pounds. So you're talking about a group that a, a lot of bulk in the back, and that's that helps them with run support, and obviously they can guard different types of receivers because of their strength and, and because of their, you know, their athleticism as well. Another thing too to watch, I mean, this is we're going to have to watch this and bring it up the whole year until it's a non issue, is the third down battle. I mean, can Miami get it to get it together um this week against Florida State? Because this offense has shown for the last two years really that they can't score touchdowns on long sustained drives. They need those big plays, those big chunk plays in order to get a touchdown. So Against a defense like Florida State, with all these athletes, you expect that Miami will have to work the ball down the field rather than hit these monster plays. And so that's going to be another thing to watch this week, I think. One thing that, you know, the third down, I mean, we've talked about it so much, and not just this year. It's not just a four-game sample size. It's last year. It's, you know, the year, even the year before, you know, they've, they've just struggled on third downs. And you know, and, and and people see the numbers, and I think that immediately you want to know why. Well, why why are they struggling? Is it Brad Kaya? Is it the play calling? Is it you know just guys not making plays? Is it drops? Is it pressure? What you know what what all is it? And it just seems like it's it's all sorts of things. But I guess I just want to start with Brad because I look at it and you know he's 13 for 35 on third down. Uh, that's obviously not the the completion percent you want. And I just think it all, it all or, or a lot of it does go with Brad, you know, because he is a quarterback and he's got to make the prop, you know, make better decisions on his reads. And, you know, it, it just has to be he just has to be better in that. And I think that you look at this this game, especially on the road, David, I mean, uh, they're, yeah. they're going to need they're going to need him to make plays. That's the bottom line. I mean, he's considered their best player or their best offensive player. Um, you know, he, it's time for him to take that next step and. And this is definitely a challenge. And we mentioned the challenge at Cincinnati before, just because he had struggled so much on the road in his in his career. And again, he drops a two and six away from Sun Life. And um, you, you just he, he needs to he needs to continue his progression and and take that next step. And 
Um, you know, obviously Florida State has uh, it's going to be quite the challenge for them without without question. One thing I want to talk about. So last year's game, right? Miami Brad Kaya got off to that extremely fast start in the first half, and were the better team in the first half than Florida State. And really, I mean, Miami was able to do what they want, particularly through the air. I remember, I mean, Philip Dorsett had some big plays in the first half. Do you feel like that's possible with this Miami offense against this FSU defense? David, when we started talking about the, this offense and this for this season, you know, so much, I felt like so much of what I, my opinion was, you know, he's got to get the ball downfield. You know, he's got to get the ball out to his receivers. And we weren't seeing that. It was a lot of check down stuff. Um, early on well then we saw we saw some signs of that you know against Nebraska you know we, we've seen some flashes with that and I think that's going to be the key in this game they've got to get the ball he, he's got to get the ball to the secondary and I think it's going to be tough and like you said you mentioned what you know with what Jalen Ramsey can do and if that does take Rashawn Scott their best receiver out of it um, it's definitely going to be a challenge for the next group if you know if Stacy's not quite what he needs to be in a game like this that that takes him back in terms of He's not a weapon they can use. And then you got Herb Waters, and hopefully he's able to make plays. But you're right. Miami definitely was able to. And I noticed, I know that you talked so much about what happened in last year's game. Miami goes up 23-7 second quarter and then loses 30-26 to with some of the adjustments you saw, especially with the Florida State defense, that, that Miami was not able to counteract with, with, their, uh, with their adjustments. Yeah, so what I noticed last year, I mean, everyone makes a big deal that Miami took their foot off the gas in the second half. And yeah, I mean, Miami certainly stopped passing it as much as they did in the first half. But kind of what happened in that first half was Florida State's defense was just playing one high safety in the first half. And so that left Miami's receivers in situations where they were basically one-on-one with the Florida State corners. And they were, they were winning those battles. And Brad Kaya felt comfortable, you know, throwing the ball in space and letting these Miami receivers make plays in those spaces. In the second half, Florida's, and, and also, by the way, in the first half, when you go one high safety, the game plan for Florida State is to take away Duke Johnson. They want to stop the run because Duke was you know, their best player on offense last year. So then in the second half, Florida State makes the adjustment of, okay, we're going to put two safeties back there, and you know we're just going to take away the pass. And so then Miami sees that. And so Miami counters with, okay, now we're going to start running Duke Johnson. And, you know, Duke Johnson didn't have as much success in this, didn't have success in the second half. Florida State started getting stops. And then it just snowballed. They started, Florida State started getting things done on offense in the second half. And so really that's kind of what happened in terms of did Miami take their foot off the gas or not? And we've seen, I mean, it's kind of something really that, that James Coley has drilled into Brad Kaya at this point is if you see two safeties back, you know, you need to be more careful when you throw the ball. And Brad really doesn't take very many chances throwing to his outside receivers when there is two safeties back there. I mean, that was exactly the point he made about that third and five, third and six call against you know against Cincinnati when they decided to run you know Brad checked into it to a run and and uh because of that exact reason and that was what they pointed out so there, there's no doubt that that's going to be something to watch with those safeties and I think you know with Duke Johnson I think you understand why teams did that against him just because he was so productive and you couldn't let him get loose like that but I I don't think even though as productive as Joe Yearby's been 
uh, for Miami this season. He's been great for them. Uh, he, he's not that level of a guy, and I think yeah. Florida State's going to be able to sit back with their two safeties, like you mentioned, and play it more straight up and, and just play the run naturally, even with Terrence Smith out of uh, the game. I think the defensive line, and I think with Reggie Northrup, the way he's starting to, to really feel, you know, doing well for them uh, this year as well, finding the ball. Um, and so I think that that's the, the matchup to watch. And, and I think that'll be key for Miami and, and Joe's going to have to get those runs in. And the, again, we go back to the offensive line. I just think that's the, the biggest key for, for Miami in, in this game. Yeah. I mean, certainly now defenses with Duke gone, defenses will now key in on stopping Brad and the passing attack. So you need, number one, you need Miami's offensive line to do a good job pass protecting. And then number two, you need Joe Yearby to make these defenses pay for putting two safeties deep. So can that happen? I mean, that's going to be the story of the game for the offense. Yeah, we can flip it to the other side when, when Florida State has the ball. But but I want to mention, David, I, I did some research, and I was just curious because I, I just wanted to come up with this. So here here's what I got. I know we haven't talked about this before. So Florida State defense, I looked at their top 19 tacklers on defense right now, right? Mm-hmm. And I was curious about their talent level as recruits. You know, what were they – um, what kind of talent they were coming in. Because it feels like Florida State, it feels like they've got a talented defense. Right. So you look at it, so their first 19 guys, I just did the, the 24-7 composite. I did their star rankings, three forwards and five-star guys. So of the 19 guys, their average is a 3.79. Okay. Conversely, I did that with the Miami defense, top 19 tacklers on the team. And Miami's was a 3.84. Now I didn't I didn't do the full formula with twenty four seven you know they got the decimal points and all that I just all I did was the three four and five stars and gave them you know whether you were a high four or low three right. you know, all that stuff but I found it really interesting just that Miami because we talk so much about Miami's defense it doesn't feel as talented and and I certainly don't think it is but it was interesting to me just that those numbers came back that way because it doesn't feel like that when you watch it it feels like Florida State it has a much better defense and, and I and I agree I, I do think they do. But it was just interesting um, that those numbers came back that way. Yeah, that is interesting. So, I mean, I guess maybe the reason why we feel like, I mean, Miami's defense is not as talented or not as good is because, you know, these guys are just being utilized in the wrong way with their scheme. Um, You know, I mean, that's how I would explain it, I guess. I think Miami is still Miami. They're going to be able to recruit guys. Um, I'm surprised that Florida State's defensive players are ranked lower than Miami's but I mean certainly I think Florida State uses their guys in more of an aggressive scheme than Miami does and so certainly their you know defense is better for that yeah it was interesting yeah I I don't think there's any question I think in every talk mentioned scheme I mean it seems like every Miami fan and and rightfully so David every time you, you mention the defense it's about that scheme that Miami runs and because it just hasn't been effective. Let's just be honest. I mean, it's just not been – it hasn't been good enough. Uh, the defense has struggled. And, and this is another game for, for them to show that they have made strides. I mean, everyone wants to throw around certain numbers to make it sound like they've gotten better. Well, well let's see it. You know, they've, they've created more turnovers this year. I mean, you have seen, especially in the secondary, with guys making picks and things like that. But th- this is a game for them to take the next step. Although – this isn't, everyone knows, this isn't the Florida State team that they've had in the past with Jameis and those guys. But if Dalvin plays, he's still, he's an extremely talented player. Everett Golson, the quarterback, is, um, you know, he's coming into his own and he's got experience. Um, they've got receivers that are young but talented. So, um, you know, the Miami defense, again, you're going on the road. It, it's time for them to, 
you know, just to, to make plays and, and, and play well in a big game and, and get a win and, and be the reason they won. Yeah, so the thing I'm watching for this week is when when Florida State's on offense and Miami's on defense is how does the turnover battle play out? Because Florida State has done a very good job of not turning the ball over this year. I think they have one turnover this year. Um, Everett Golson, I don't think, has thrown a pick yet. And Miami's defense, on the other hand, has done a good job of, of forcing turnovers. They have 11 now, I think. So, yeah, I mean, if Miami's going to win this game, I mean, this is nothing new, but you gotta you got to win the turnover battle. And, you know, you got the two extremes, the, the offense that's done a good job of keeping the ball, and then you got the defense that's done a good job of turning it over. So, I mean, Everett Golson, you, you touched on him a little bit. Miami, you know, Miami's actually seen him before um, when 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 he was at Notre Dame and Miami played Notre Dame in 2012. And, and Golson, I mean, he was a very efficient quarterback in that game. He had, I think he went 17 of 22 for 186 yards. Um, he didn't have a touchdown or an interception, but he certainly managed the game well. And I would expect more of that um, this week, Chris. Yeah, the thing with Everett, just kind of watching him. First off, he, you know, he's got the athletic ability to run, but I'm not, you know, he's not running at the at what like he was at Notre Dame. Um, so he's not running the ball quite as much, and but it's still there. The threat has to still be respected. Um, you know, one thing with watching him play, he just, it definitely looks, yeah. While he hasn't thrown an interception yet, like you mentioned, you know, and you know his completion percent is in the 60s, mid 60s. Um, it doesn't seem like he's as comfortable as you would think, or he's not as comfortable as he, as he might be later in the season. He still looks like he's coming into his own and, um, you still see Jimbo, you know, very expressive and coaching him on the sideline, like trying to get him going. Um, and the one thing that I guess I watched, you know, particularly with their passing game that kind of stood out to me was right now, first off their receivers, their main receivers, you know, are, you know, Trav- a lot of people, you know, know this from, from covering recruiting and following it, but, you know, Travis Rudolph, Jesus Wilson and Kermit Whitfield, all three guys, you know, looked at Miami. Uh, Jesus, a different different story there. But, you know, almost like three slot guys as, as their top three guys at receiver. So, you know, fast guys. But going back to with Everett, it seems like he's much more comfortable right now throwing uh, to stationary targets or quick outs. Or, yeah. Um, it, it doesn't, you're not seeing the down he need, throw. He, he's not letting it go uh, right now. He needs to get the ball out of his hands quickly. It feels like he's most comfortable when the ball's out quick. When he has to make a read, he kind of stares down one receiver when he holds the ball for a long time. And uh, in that, fa- in, with that being a factor, it's kind of surprising he hasn't thrown a pick yet. Uh, I mean, there was some... Op- definitely been close. I mean... Yeah, he's... there was opportunities against Wake Forest. They just didn't come up with them. And uh, yeah, I mean, you touched on it too. One thing watching Florida State this year that definitely stands out to me is just how much the receiver unit has fallen off i guess from years past it just doesn't seem like a dynamic group that it used to be you know last year the year before they don't really have a go-to receiver i'd say i mean they want it to be travis rudolph but he's just i mean he's kind of just been a possession guy and then bobo wilson shows flashes that he can make some big plays but then he also will have a ton of drops in a game um so it's a group that I mean, they're tri- they're still trying to figure figure everything out. I mean, Kermit Wilson or Kermit Whitfield 
people think some people are are saying he's been their most consistent receiver this year so far. So, I mean, they're still trying to figure out that receiver group. I haven't been too impressed by them. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if Miami can can hold them down this week. Yeah, definitely. And I just mentioned with Golson. Yeah, he seems like he's been you know just missing his targets sometimes and the overthrows. And Miami's been capitalizing it in their first four games with their interceptions, so taking advantage of, of poor throws by the quarterback. So that's something to watch. You mentioned, you know, Bobo Wilson with the drops, but, you know, Travis Rudolph has has had his fair share of drops too. So um, they're going to have to play better. Their, their receivers are going to have to play better in a game like this. And and Wilson's the one to watch downfield in terms of, you know, he can yeah. get behind you, and he has. And, and Kermit's as fast as anyone, everyone knows, with his track speed. So those guys are going to have to be respected, and, and Miami's going to have to stay with them. But but the thing is, it, it does look like Florida State wants to go and sit in pockets, uh, quick hitches and things like that. And Miami's defense tends to let receivers uh, just turn and catch. You know, I think that. So I think that's going to be interesting. To, is that exactly what Florida State wants them to do, or wants to do, and Miami wants them to do that? So um, they're not like you said. Miami's going to have to get pressure uh, on the defensive line. So Golson's not. Just you know, getting it out quick and like no pressure, and just can do whatever he wants with it. So uh, I think that's the thing to watch with the the Florida State passing game. Yeah, and you you touched on Golson not being a guy who runs around as much as he used to. I would say that if Dalvin Cook is out, or if he's you know sixty percent or less than what than what he normally is, I would expect Florida State to put in some some more zone reads with Golson uh, just to, you know, keep the defense honest and put kind of a new wrinkle in their running game. Cause Golson certainly can, can make some plays with his legs and really, um, you know, the guy who he's kind of a mystery, really Jonathan Vickers, he got elevated in that wake forest game with Dalvin being out and Mario Pender being out. I just feel like, you know, it's kind of a big drop off in talent with Jonathan Vickers um, so they got to kind of manufacture something there to get the running game going. And so I would expect that from Golson if Dalvin, you know, can't go or if he's just not up to his usual self. And, and Vickers is quite, quite the different running back as Cook. And obviously Cook's, you know, one of the best in the country. Uh, but Vickers, 6'1", 226, he's a downhill runner. You know, he's at his best when he's running straight ahead. You know, when he starts making multiple cuts. Uh, he doesn't run with speed, and, and Miami defense can swarm on him when he starts doing multiple moves and things like that. So if Vickers gets carries, that'll be the thing to watch. And, and obviously Mario Pender's out. Um, you know, Vickers, you know, Tallahassee product, so uh, I'm sure he wants to do well in a big game like this. Yeah, and we'll see, too, if if they give Jaquez Patrick, the true freshman, any any more burn, you know, now that they have kind of a week for him to prepare for playing time if they do want to play him. He's, he's another big downhill running back um probably more physically talented than vickers but i think you know they're trying much like treyon gray at miami they're trying to get jaquez patrick to to run with better pad level so we'll see if if you know if dalvin like i said is is unable to go if jaquez patrick gets some more burn this week david we we talked about in different instances we mentioned joe yearby's you know his role in miami and and obviously so much with Dalvin Cook here with Florida State. What, those two guys, and, and everyone knows, you know, they were teammates at Miami Central, uh, quite, quite a bunch of success and, you know, did real well. What, what do you remember about those two? And, and I guess, and also, David, you were, I, I know you were the first one to probably say it, you know, that, that sophomore year 
um, you know, Joe runs for over 2,000, and and you're looking at Dalvin Cook as you know as the uh, you know as a talent, and and you thought at that point, I remember you told me you thought he would be the better in the long run. Um, just what do you remember about that, and and also just those two guys? I mean, we got to see them play all the time, and it, it was just great to watch the both of them uh, do so well in high school there at Miami Central. Yeah, so so Dalvin exploded on the scene that sophomore year in the state championship game because he he made a bunch of plays on special teams, right, Chris? He yeah, had, like, can he get a kick return or punt? Yeah, a couple, right? Kick and punt return, I think, for touchdowns. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could just see in doubt. I mean, Joe was definitely a known commodity at that time, um, like you said, running for two thousand yards. But with Dalvin, you could just see it. I mean. He had the size, he had the speed, and really at running back, that's you know, it's all you need. It's just a size speed position, and so all all it really took for Dalvin was just an opportunity, and so you know the next year and the year after, he kind of got more of that opportunity, and we saw you know Dalvin certainly pass Joe in terms of just ability um, because of that size and speed difference, and it's interesting because Dalvin is certainly the bigger uh stronger running back but he likes to hit the edges more and Joe Yerby is the smaller running back but he prefers to to do his work kind of running on on the inside of the offensive line so it's it's interesting what I mean it was in high school it was really unfair and then you had you know not to mention just them two at running backs but Central had an offensive line that was the size of a you know college offensive line with you know Trevor Darling, who's now at Miami as their best offensive lineman, but they had a bunch of other guys that were six three, six four, six five as well. So it was a fun team to watch. Um, not fair, really, uh, at the high school level, having to defend those two running backs. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it it was definitely a fun team. Yeah, no doubt, and and some memories I remember. Yeah, and I and as things got on, you know, Dalvin Cook, you know, there was so much comparison between them and, and then with Sony like who which one was the best and and all this and you know I, I made my opinion uh pretty pretty clear and I thought Dalvin was the guy and I didn't think it was close I thought he was you know and, and it has nothing you know I know Miami fans get upset if well well why didn't you pick Joe Yearby on Joe I'll, look I don't care where the kids end up you know I just look this is who I thought was the best and and kids are gonna make their own decision and they end up somewhere and what well, you know or, or what if Dalvin flipped at the at the end and then I want to or they flip back and then you know what am I supposed to say now Dalvin's better when I said Joe just because he went to I mean that's just there's just too much to, to keep track of and I Look, Dalvin had had talent, and and Joe certainly was a good player, a productive guy. One thing that stands out to me, other than those two guys making plays, but you know, we, we go to not just that we go to games, but we go to practices too. And I'll never forget, you know, going to Central practices. First off, the intensity at a Central practice is, is extremely rare um, and extremely impressive. It's very tough, a lot of hitting, very aggressive. Uh, you can see why it translated. It definitely translated to their success on game days and and those guys weren't just talented those guys were hard working and, and they they were tough man they just were yeah um but but you know one thing you know so much is talked about with joe and definitely joe's a quiet guy or quieter guy but you know i i just remember in jail, drills and you know joe's yelling at his teammates let's go you know get them going and and dalvin's barking and they're back and forth and just you know they're going at their team you know just really just real just real loud and you know and just expressive and I I especially remember that with Joe because I know a lot of people think he's a quiet guy but I, I've seen him in a different level or a different situation where he's 
uh, been very vocal and, and talkative and uh, he just has that one thing you know we'll, we'll get into these questions from fans but one thing I want to mention too with Joe so we're we're interviewing Joe this week and everyone's asking about Dalvin and their relationship and and David I know you you were there to hear some of it but just you could tell Joe was I wouldn't say he was annoyed, but he was just kind of over it. And he just seemed, it could have been other, yeah. any other reason, but it was just a lot of questions about Dalvin and this and Dalvin that. And, um, and that's just what the storyline is. And, um, and I'm sure, I'm sure. And I asked Joe this question and, and he answered it, um, probably the way you would expect him to, but I don't think it's the way he's feeling. I asked Joe if he feels he has something to prove just because again, Dalvin, has been such he's been elevated so much on the national stage and and I Joe, Joe this is Joe's first year uh, being a starter and things like that and I know Joe wants to you know not just his name but just Miami in general um, you know is this a game that he's got a lot to or something to prove um, and he said you know no we just want to win but I think Joe knows what you know what the narrative is and I think Joe has a lot to prove and he wants to he doesn't want to be considered the second best you know joe joe had you know joe was the starter there at miami central he's got a lot of pride you know he he was ahead of dalvin on the depth chart and um produced more than him at times so i think joe joe wants to outperform dalvin i think dalvin wants to play uh, like you said against his hometown team so it's definitely going to be fun to watch and, and those two guys for the rest of their careers they're going to be linked together yeah i mean you t- you said it joe certainly knows what the deal is this week and and he knows He's going to be compared to Dalvin, so I expect to see the best from Joe. I, you know, we we interviewed Trevor Darling this week as well, who who played with them at Central, um, and and Trevor said, yeah, you know, Joe's going to be ready, and I know Dalvin's going to be ready up there. So there's certainly, you know, it's just it's sports and it's you know competition. They they want to do better than the other, so it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, to see what Joe can do this week from a Miami perspective. So let's get right into questions here. These are from the users from the message boards. You guys can go in there, uh, ask questions. Uh, let, let's get just perfect way to start it. Start with Central Rockets. Uh, he says, "How the heck can we beat FSU? What would magically have to happen for us to win in Doak?" So I think in order for Miami to win this game, I think Brad Kaya has to have a, have a big game. I think they have to be able to throw the ball around. And, um, you know, much like kind of kind of how they had success in the first half of last year's game, I think Miami, Brad has to have that kind of success this year. I agree. And I, I'm, I'm going to talk about the offensive line because I think that's the big key because I think if the offensive line, I think the whole offense could fall apart if the offensive line isn't playing well. So I think you're going to look, you're going to see if the the FSU defensive line is going to be able to get any pressure, disrupt the, the running game. And, and like you said, obviously the passing game is going to be big. So yeah, I think Miami needs this game to be a high scoring game in order to win. Shad fourteen nineteen says Tyreek is Tyreek McCord has been quiet this year so far. How do you guys see him making an impact in this game? Yeah. I mean, it's tough for Tyreek because they're, you know, they're always changing his position. I think now he's he's playing strong side and weak side with with all the injuries that that Miami's had on the weak side in in recent weeks. Um, you know, he's he Tyreek is at his best as a pass rusher. So if Tyreek pops this week against Florida State, it's going to be in those third down pass rushing situations. So Tyreek just has to figure out a way to get to the quarterback. Yeah, and also just you know with him too, you know, you know he's a he's a guy that's made plays, so you know he's gonna be, maybe he's a guy that gets his ball on a, a tip ball and uh, creates a pick of, of some sort, something like that. So I think that 
that might be something to watch. Uh, you know, and like you said, maybe he's coming into his own, kind of feeling, understanding his role a little bit better uh, with the defense. And um, okay, Red Zulu he says, "Well, chocolate, you know, Trayon Gray get any playing time this year?" This year, I'll say yes. I don't know about this week, but I think, I think we'll see Trayon more in the second half of the season. Um, I just don't think. Miami can sustain a two running back rotation. I think you need three running backs. Um, and I don't know why they haven't given Trayon a, a, a chance yet because Mark Walton certainly hasn't taken that number two job and run away with it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think in the second half of the year, we'll see more of Trayon. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think it goes again, unless Mark Walton starts reeling off good, productive games, I, I think it's going to, it's just going to keep the door open for that second running back. And like you mentioned, they actually need a third. So I think. I, I agree. I think you'll see Trayon Gray, and and he's definitely the next guy in uh, at that third spot. I want to know, Chris. Do you think Miami should um, give Joe Yearby closer to twenty carries, twenty twenty to I don't know twenty four, twenty three, twenty two carries? Yeah, you know, yes. I mean, just just because he is the best player, and and um, I, I think he's a guy that you know he. he he got a lot of carries. I know he was split with Dalvin, but he still got a lot of carries in high school. You know, he's a guy that that he has put on the extra extra strength, and he feels like he's ready. and And they they need to win games. You know, and he, he seems like he's he's doing well. He's running his yards per carry is pretty good. Um, so he's a guy that that gets into a good grooves. And I, I think that's that maybe if you limit his carries, I think it should only just be because if he's not getting going, and you want to give someone else a try. But if he's going, I think you give him his carries and and, and go from there. Yeah, I agree. I would like to see more separation from even Joe Yearby to Mark Walton, especially this week. I think you just got to ride Joe. Yeah, but we talked about it in the last podcast, but he has eight. More, he only has eight more carries than Mark Walton, and I think over two hundred more yards or, or something like that. Yeah. So that that says enough there. So next question, All Kane. It says, "How do you rank the cornerbacks and safeties?" Um. So I'll start with cornerback. I guess sure. uh, I would. I would rank. I still think Artie Burns is the best one. Um, then I'd go Corn Elder. Then I would go Tracy. Um, do you want me to rank the guys who don't really play, or is that good? Yeah, you can, <laughs> yeah there's really three guys, and then the we don't know the yeah. So yeah, those three, and then and then the safeties. Safeties. I would say I would say the best ones Dion. Then I'll go number two. I'll say. Hmm. I don't know. I'm a Rayshon Jenkins fan, so I'll say Rayshon. And then number three, I'll say Jamal. And then I'll go Dallas Crawford. Yeah, I, I agree with the rankings. Um, you know, the thing about – we talked so, – Jamal Card is a guy that, that could easily be their best one, to be honest. He could rise from three to one. I mean, he, he just has so much physical – but he's just not um, – it's just not – um, they don't believe in him enough. Enough, You know, they do because he plays, but just not enough to, to – to to go all in on Jamal, he he plays in spot. I think he's a guy that would be better uh, getting more reps and and things like that, get a better feel and uh, and allow the you know his athleticism to range. But yeah, I think right now you know right now definitely Dion and Rayshon are their best two, and I think Dallas trails the third one quite a bit. I, and uh, I think that's a that's something to watch this weekend if he'll really because um, Golden kind of hinted at it um, that that playing time could be shifted and i think dallas is the one to watch to see if his yeah playing time gets cut uh, in, in this game and rayshon rayshon had a bad play against cincinnati that, that turned into that yeah. running touchdown but i mean you could argue 
he kind of made up for that with a pick later in the game. So, and that's what I like about Rayshon is, to me, he's their best free safety. He's their best safety that can make a play in the passing game. You know, he reads reads the passing game the best of of any of their safeties. I think. Sure. Um, I plead the fifth. Says offensively, who should Coach Coley try to exploit? On the FSU defense, I would go at. Well, I would go at the opposite corner of Jalen Ramsey, and I would test Derwin James, their true freshman, that's going to be playing a lot more. I mean, like I said, Derwin is talented, but really, I mean, this is another level for him. It's Miami. It's his first game that he's going to be playing a ton. So I think those are some things you might want to you know, poke at to see what you can get. Yeah, I think that maybe who uh, – I'm looking more maybe this the – Again, okay. So while Clive Walford had four catches, 127 yards last year at the tight end position for Miami, so I think that there there might be opportunities for the tight ends to to get more involved. Um, who that who that is, you know, uh, I think that remains to be seen. They don't have a Clive Walford type player, but I think that the, the maybe they could exploit uh, some pockets in the the Florida State defense at the tight end position. Maybe there's some holes there that opens up. Uh, so I think that maybe try to get them involved. And yeah. that, go ahead. And, and Terrence Smith, I mean, he's a good coverage linebacker. So him being out, I mean, that certainly hurts them with with covering tight ends. Yeah, and that goes right into the next question. Kane's fan and SC ask, will we utilize our tight ends more consistently in the passing game? I mean, I think I think what we've seen is what it'll be for the for the season. To be honest. Yeah, I've talked about it before with the tight ends. Look, the my. The coaches they they clearly talk about the getting the tight ends involved heavily involved right I mean that's all they talk about you know yeah. but I just don't think that the personnel is there for them to have the production that they're thinking that they should have so I think it's yeah like I said it's going to be hot and cold some games uh, a little bit more involved but I, I don't th- I don't think we're going to see uh, big production from from the tight ends consistently throughout the rest of the season yeah I mean I like the ta- I like the wide receiver talent more than I do at the t- than than the tight end talent. So I would I would use more of the receivers in the passing game than the tight ends. Yeah, and I, I, to be honest, I don't think it's that close. I think the wide receivers are uh, a lot a lot more talented than the tight end group. Uh, and I certainly agree with 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 getting them the ball more. You get the you give your play by, playmakers the ball more and I just haven't seen enough in the tight ends to make me believe that they're the guys that should be getting the ball more. Right. Mr. Magic he says the substitution patterns enrage my spirit. Do you all have a pulse on the rhyme or reason of, of them, of any of them? For example, he says I see Aquini Muhammad or Trent Harris make a play, only to be subbed out the very next one. It's too much. It's too much substitution. Um, you know, you need to play your best players. And uh, Coach D'Onofrio was asked about that this week, and he said, you know, essentially his answer was. Um, players, players, uh, have to play up to a standard during practice. And if they play up to a standard, then they'll play. So, I mean, essentially if, if, you know, 30 or 40 guys play up to that standard during the week in practice, you could see that many players rotating in, um, during a game and he'd be happy with that. Uh, I would like to see them cut down the rotation more at all positions um, because I just want my best players on the field. I think your best players make plays, and and they have more opportunities opportunities to do that when they're on the field more. 
you know, to, to answer the direct question of, of the rhyme or reason for the subs, look, they, they essentially they just believe in having more guys. They, they want to uh, keep guys fresh or keep other guys happy and, and have a team atmosphere and just everyone's helping. And that's just their philosophy. And you can certainly argue against it or for it, but that's just what they believe in. And, um, you know, so, yeah, so if a guy makes a play and comes out, it's just because it's time to rotate I think that's why they sub or, or the third down package we see on defense. They just make subs because it's third down. That's what happens on third down. Um, I think I think that's that's what goes on throughout the game. Um, and, and they would just like to play a lot of guys. I remember on defense, it seems like I remember hearing D'Onofrio in the last couple of years just talk about, you know, how having 22 guys is like a, you know, just, you know, everybody yeah. gets to play. And, and the thing is, too, not just get to play. We're talking like the split. We've done this before where we, for multiple games, we'll keep track of the the split, you know, how much playing time and reps each player gets. And it's really, I think we've t- almost every position was close to 60, 40 or, you know, it's yeah. pretty, it's, we're not it's talking even. Yeah. We're not talking 90, 10 or 80, 20. It's really pretty close even with the starters. And, um, and I think that's the thing that fans have a hard, or, you know, the, this fan in particular, but uh, fans in general have a hard time seeing is just, there's so many guys and they all seem to play. And um, it, yeah, I, I disagree with it. Cause me, I'd like to see, your best players on the field um, at all positions. Yeah, I mean, it's tough when it's a 60-40 split between the first and second team guy, but the talent level, the gap is, you know, greater than 60-40. It's a greater gap in talent than uh, than you would want in terms of a 60-40 split. So it's too much, too many rotations going on. We'll see if they tighten it up against Florida State, but I, I wouldn't expect it. And the one thing, too, with that, the substitution stuff, I, I think one reason why I believe so much in putting your best players out there, I think you stump the growth of your best players by not giving them more reps. Look, you, you find out who your best players are, you give them the most reps. And I think it happens in practice, too. We're ta- you're talking about third and fourth stringers getting reps and walk-ons getting a lot of reps. Look, walk-ons used to never get reps in practice. That's just how it was. You know, It was all about developing your best players, and, and I'd like to see that. That's one reason why I feel so strongly about uh, not subbing so much is because I think it stunts the growth of your better players. And, and if every and if everyone's getting the same amount of reps, you're essentially not developing anyone to the point where they, they are your top-line guys. And you kind of have this team that's just kind of stuck in the middle. And, and I think that's what you're seeing with some of this development stuff. And I think that's what you, in particular, that's I think that's what you see with the defense. Uh, you can ask a bunch of different people who are the best, who's the best defensive player on the team or the best couple of guys. And you're going to get different answers from everybody because they all kind of – they all kind of seem similar, and I think part of that's because of the way they've developed, the way they they hand out, um, you know, reps in, in practice and in games. Yep, tighten it up. Dynasty one. Does Brad Kaya seem to be getting better, or is he more of the same? Um, I think we we were talking about this earlier today. It, it's hard to say because I do think Brad Kaya is better in a lot of ways than he was last year, but. Everything around him is a notch worse, I would say. I think the receiver talent is not as good. You know, that that goes along with tight ends. I don't, you know, there's no Clive Walford out there. Uh, Joe Yerby has been extremely productive, but he's still not Duke. I mean, Duke was incredible. And the offensive line is really bad compared to last year. So even if Brad Kaya is a lot better, it's hard to see it because everything around him is so much worse. Um, now, has Brad been able to elevate everything around him? Is, has he been that special quarterback? No. 
Um, but, you know, that's asking a lot. That's a, you know, first-round pick caliber quarterback, and I don't know if Brad Kaya is that. So I think we'll see. I think we'll find out more this week. You know, Brad needs to win a big game like this. Um, and we'll see after this week. I think we'll really know kind of what Brad Kaya is about after this week. Yeah, and just adding to that, uh, David, just, yeah, I think, look, Brad, Brad's going to have plenty of opportunities this season, not just this week. I think he's got to show, look, it starts with winning at the quarterback position, and, and he's going to, again, he's going to have to play well for them to win, and even though his, his guys around him aren't as good as they were a year ago, he, he's going to have to take that next step, and, and right now, it's hard to say that he's exactly, that he's definitely getting better. Um, there's certain things that they talk about so much with Brad and his leadership and things like that. But bottom line is he needs to be more productive on the field uh, during the games. Yeah. And, and, and he, again, these, these next games at Florida State, perfect opportunity for him to, to show that he has gotten better um, and to beat a Florida State team, which he didn't do a year ago. Yeah, I mean, third down was an issue last year. It's an issue again this year. Um, is that all on Brad? No, but a large part of it is. So, you know, like you said, Brad need if Brad is a special or great quarterback, you have to raise the the ability, the talent of everyone around you. And so far Brad hasn't done that. Sure. Another thing with Brad, two other things I want to say. Uh red zone he's got to be better getting touchdowns for his group. Uh I think that that goes with him. And also with Brad, we haven't seen this quite yet. You know, if the team gets down, you, you want to see that quarterback pull off a comeback. And and I'm not saying it's going to happen this week. I just think in general uh, th- for this season, when things aren't going well, you're gonna you want to see your quarterback be able to elevate uh, everyone and pull out a win that maybe uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I think that's something that you'll see or you want to see uh, in terms of improvement at the quarterback position. Yeah, and along those lines, you got to win on the road. And Brad Kaya's record in road games is not very good. I think it's what two and six, Chris. Now, yeah, two and six away from home, and and one of those wins he threw for under 100 yards. Yeah, so. You got to be better with that. Jack eighteen x one. Which do you think has hampered us more this year, the offense or the defense? Um. Well, in their loss, I would say it was the offense. Um, you know, in general, I think kind of what the defense did against it's it wasn't good enough. Don't get me wrong, but kind of what the defense was able to limit the Cincinnati attack somewhat. And the offense just couldn't get it going. Uh, I've been, maybe I'm just used to the defense being average by now. And so I'm just more aware that the offense is really struggling. Um, But yeah, I mean, I've been pretty underwhelmed by the offense so far, particularly just going and getting touchdowns. They can't, they get to the red zone and they're kicking too many field goals. So yeah, I think, yeah, again, because the way the questions were hampered us more this year. Team is three and one. Although there's been a couple, uh, you know, shaky wins in there, but the loss, uh, yeah, again, the off. You're right. The offense uh, struggled in that one. Um, I think that question might be something to ask later in the year if losses continue to pile up and and whatnot. But we talk, we do, we talk so much. Defense has to be uh, better, improved, dominant, those kind of things. And so you're still waiting to see that as a collection. But again, I don't, I don't think that's exactly. Uh, it, it was. I think it was more the offenses issue with the Cincinnati I w- loss I would say in comparing to last year's team the defense has you know again it's not where it needs to be but the defense has made a slight improvement they've been better with takeaways and whatnot and the offense you would have to say has taken a step back which 
you know, I guess should be expected with everything Miami lost on offense from last year's team. Last question of the podcast, Tampa Tuck. What do you guys think so much of the offense being run within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage? It seems like whenever things get tight, we start running the same few plays, screens, dump-offs to to the running backs, or running plays. Also, he wants to know why they don't run off-tackle more. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't think they have much, um, I don't think they have much belief in their offensive line to be able to block in those situations um, in terms of running off tackle and all that. I just think they want to catch a defense off balance and run it out of shotgun. You know what I mean? So, and they've had success doing that. Um, You know, last year we saw a ton of single back uh, zone runs. Um, That was kind of the staple of the offense. Whereas this year everything's out of shotgun and they run the ball out of shotgun. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the play calling in particular, like the play calling against Nebraska inside the 10 and the play calling against Cincinnati when it's third and six and they decide to run the ball instead of throw it in the end zone. It's all very puzzling. Um, I really have no explanation for it other than what we said earlier, kind of what James Coley was thinking with the two safety, one safety thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all been curious, the, the path, the play calling. Yeah, I think it comes down to, again, the offensive line um, to answer some of these questions. I think the offensive line isn't as good as it was, uh, still trying to find itself. Another thing I think, I think ultimately Al Golden uh, prefers a conservative offense, a conservative defensive style. I, I think so. I think you like, I think he believes in running things shorter and, you know, and, and doing things that way a little bit more when things get tighter. Um, and, and also with the run plays, the off tackle. Look, Duke Johnson was very good on stretch plays and 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 being patient and then exploding. That was he was excellent with his pace uh, as a running back. And, and Joe's style is a little bit different. And I don't yeah. know if he would excel in that. And I think I, I mentioned in another podcast, you know, last season uh, when Joe was you know getting limited time and practice and things. I think that was some of the stuff where you saw him dancing or trying to find it a little bit more. Um, and, and Joe has excelled in, in this year and, um, you know, in, in going, you know, and getting the ball and hitting the line of scrimmage and where yeah. instead of whereas Duke was so good with his patience and uh, exploding through on the stretches. In terms of how they're using Joe, it's perfect. I mean, that's, this is how Joe has to be used in order to be effective. So he's not, he's not a very fast running back. He's not going to be good at running off tackle. He's going to have to work it you know between the guard and tackle or guard and center so yeah that wraps it up um hopefully you guys enjoyed it uh should be it's obviously a big game hopefully it's a good atmosphere there uh for everyone to check out and um, we'll see what miami has you know they're, they're talking so much about how they want to get back on track and this is a huge game miami uh, has obviously struggled in big games and, and and on the road and all this and that and uh it'll be interesting to see how guys respond how guys play in, in, in a big game Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it, Chris. Yeah, definitely. And thanks again for everyone for listening. Uh, It's been great seeing how much uh, you guys have enjoyed this. We enjoy doing it. We're going to keep it going. If you guys missed our our last podcast or one of our previous ones on Tracy Howard, definitely check that out. Uh, We talked for him for a long time, not about the season, just about other stuff. We also brought Nate Adelson on, our recruiting guy, uh, talked about recruiting. So check out those podcasts. You can find podcasts on iTunes uh, by searching Inside the U. You can also find it on the website. Um, Thanks again for listening. Definitely appreciate you guys. Thank you.